Good morning, everybody. We are not only beginning a new year, we're beginning a new sermon series. Uh, you might remember that the last two years we have been working our way through the Gospel of John. So this is kind of a momentous day. Uh, we're starting a whole new series, and this series is going to take us 12 weeks, uh, well, 13 counting today. Uh, tw 13 Sundays, but we're going to be going through together as a church the discipleship material experiencing God. And I think it's really uh, a great opportunity for us as a whole church to be doing this together at the same time and really uh, very intentionally as a whole church trying to see what it is that God is up to and how we can listen to him and join him in what he is up to. Um, I think that's critical and crucial for the life of the church, that we actually listen to God and follow him together. So uh, the messages are going to be going along with what we're doing each week in our discipleship material, um, and uh, I'll talk a little bit more about that at the end, uh, but uh, kind of the basic theme of the whole series is knowing and doing the will of God. So here we are, January 1st. It's the start of a new year, and it's a great time to stop and think about what has gone before, how this past year has gone, and perhaps evaluate uh, what lies ahead. What are we going to do in the coming year? And what maybe did we not do well the last year that we don't want to repeat? And uh, what did we leave out last year that we need to introduce this year? Well, why do, how do we want to live this year? Because every year that passes, we become more and more aware that the clock is ticking down on our life, right? We have a limited number of days. And uh, we look forward in hope of good things. We don't want to squander our lives. We don't want to throw away our lives, invest them in pointless and fruitless pursuits that at the end will amount to nothing. We want our lives to count for something. Well, no one is more passionately invested in our fruitfulness than Jesus. If we follow him, he guarantees that he's going to lead us to fruitful, meaningful life. And how does Jesus call us to invest our lives? I've titled today's message, Investing Your Life. And we're in Luke. We're just going to look at three verses. Uh, I won't keep you uh, a long time. Um, so let's begin in verse 32. Fear not, little flock, for your Father is well pleased to give you the kingdom. I should probably tell you that the person speaking in this verse is Jesus in the Gospel of Luke. And let me catch you up to speed with the conversation. Jesus, in the verses immediately before this one, has been telling his disciples that they do not need to fear. What am I going to eat? What am I going to wear? How am I going to provide for myself all the things I need to live life? Jesus says, don't worry about those things. Don't stress about them. Don't be fearful about not having the things you need for living. He says that the Father knows their needs, and the Father will provide what we need to live. So what Jesus commands his, uh, those who are listening to him, and the verses immediately before this, he says, uh, what you need to do is you need to invest yourself in the kingdom of the Father. 
And if you do that, if you seek his kingdom above all else, then the Father is going to give you all these other things you need. Food and clothing and all the necessary things you have for living. And Jesus even illustrates it with a couple of examples. He talks about the ravens. How the ravens do not store food anywhere. They do not have storehouses uh, to prepare for the winter. Ravens, every day they get up, they go out and find the food they're going to eat that day. And Jesus says, your father feeds the ravens. He talks about the lilies in the field. How they do absolutely nothing but just sit there and grow. And yet, your father in heaven has clothed them more gloriously than anyone else. Won't your father clothe you, given that he loves you a whole lot more than he loves the lilies of the field? And what he's challenging us to do is to think of how we invest our lives in a very different way than most people do. Most people tie up the great majority of their living in providing for food and clothing and other basic needs of life. And not just basic needs. A lot of us feel like we don't need just enough to live. We want a nice house. We want a nice car. We want money to spend. We want to be able to do all these other things. So we strive and work and, and toil to provide for ourselves a lot of things. And we study and, and learn and, and get degrees and enter careers and do all these things to provide these things for ourselves. And Jesus says, that's not the investment you should be making with your life. You should be investing in the Father's kingdom. This kingdom is the kingdom Jesus came to inaugurate. It's, it had been promised for millennia. And finally, with the arrival of Jesus, the arrival of the promised Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one who would come to establish peace throughout the cosmos, who would establish the eternal kingdom of God that would last forever and eclipse every other kingdom. He arrived and established this. And that is why he can say, okay, you don't have to worry about all this other stuff. There's a new thing to invest yourself in. Invest yourself in this kingdom. This kingdom that's going to last forever. So after all of this, you might think, well, if Jesus is telling us we have to invest ourselves in God's kingdom and not be concerned at all about providing for our daily needs... That is terrifying. I'll never survive if I don't provide for my daily needs. So Jesus continues reaffirming his instruction to pursue God's kingdom first and in that pursuit find the provision of everything else we need. And we get to this verse, fear not. This is not a suggestion. It's given in the imperative. This is a command. Do not fear. That is uh, the, the, the long and short of it. 
Yes, this idea of not worrying about providing for my needs, but trusting that the Father will provide me with the job I need and the money I need and everything I'm going to need if I just put his kingdom as the focus of my whole life. He will provide everything else I need. If I do that, uh, Jesus commands us not only to do that, but to not be afraid to do that. Fear not. And it might sound harsh that he's just saying, oh, buckle up. Get over yourself. Stop being scared about it. But notice the tenderness with which he follows the command up. Fear not, little flock. And there's a recognition there of, of our weakness and our smallness. He describes the, the disciples around him as a little flock. Now, if you think in terms of the natural order around us, a small flock of sheep is not the most likely thing to make it in this world, right? Jesus is aware that we, if we choose to put God's kingdom as the center focus of our lives, we are exposing ourselves completely and we are nothing more than a little flock surrounded by predators. We are exposing ourselves completely when we do this. When we say, I'm going to pursue God's kingdom and I'm not going to try to take care of myself. I'm going to let the Father take care of me. I'm going to let Him determine my career path. I'm going to let Him determine my spouse. I'm going to let Him determine how I parent. I'm going to let Him determine the priorities I establish as a father with my children. Is it going to be sports or is it going to be the church? Is it going to be the kingdom of God or the things of this world? I'm, I make that choice. But I leave myself utterly exposed if I say I'm going to put God as the central focus of everything I do with my life. Jesus says you don't have to fear. Don't be afraid of doing this. Even though we are this little flock. Even though we are small and exposed and powerless. Why? Why? For your Father is well pleased to give you the kingdom. The Father has decided. If we pursue his kingdom first, then he gives us his kingdom. Now what is contained in the kingdom of God? If God is the only omnipotent creator of everything that exists and it is only by his will that anything exists, if he were to uh, uh, stop willing it, anything that exists would, would stop existing immediately. The Bible tells us that the breath of life that is in everything that lives is only there so long as the Father chooses to imbue life into that thing. If God were to withdraw his spirit from all flesh, every bit of life would, would stop instantly. What is the Father's kingdom? It's everything that is. Everything that ever will be. It is all that is within existence falls under His domain. And the Father is so kind and generous that He is asking us to pursue His kingdom first because He in turn wants to give us all of it. To hold nothing back. The Bible says that God holds back no good thing. 
So this is the reason we can be reckless about this. We can be fearless about this. We don't have to be trying to protect ourselves because the Father has already said, I'm going to take care. I'm going to provide not just what you need, I'm going to provide everything. Not just the bare minimum you need to scrape by, but I am choosing, it is my good pleasure to give you everything that I have. Paul talks to the Corinthians about this. They're bickering and fighting. Paul says, what are you fighting about? Don't you know that everything is yours already in Christ? What are you trying to elbow each other out of the way for? God has already been pleased to give us everything in Christ. This provision is so expansive. It's so outrageous that it removes any need for fear. This is the struggle Christians have had through the centuries. Is There are these moments where you, you're at this precipice. Do I just let go and jump off and throw myself into what God is calling me to? Even though I know there's absolutely no safety net there? Do I do it or do I not? Do I draw back and try to retain control of my life and care for myself and provide for myself and do everything myself? Or do I actually live in utter dependence on the Father? Every Christian who has taken that step, had the courage to take that step, has discovered that the Father does not fail. The Father provides so abundantly that we have no cause to fear. Verse 33. Sell the things you have and give to the needy. Make for yourselves money bags that are not wearing out. Unfailing treasure in the heavens where thief does not come near, nor does moth destroy. Jesus gets even more radical. He says, your pursuit of the kingdom of God needs to be so uh, all in that you don't need to accumulate things. Don't devote yourself to the accumulation of things. Rather, do the opposite. Use the things you have for the needs that God brings before you in His kingdom. There are two ways to invest. We can invest the way the world around us invests. And it's all about maximizing profit or return. It's about uh, hedging your bets and trying to protect yourself from catastrophic loss. So we, we build a sense of uh, security by investing in such a way that we have the appropriate risk management and we have the appropriate uh, uh, savings put aside and we have the appropriate uh, uh, accumulation of wealth that guarantees a sense of safety for us. That's one way. The other way Jesus suggests is radically different. He suggests that you do not think of your money as what secures your life. Do not think of your IRA or your 401k, or your life insurance policy as the thing that is securing your family. 
In fact, think of the things you have as things to invest in the kingdom of God. Now, this is a different kind of investment, but Jesus assures us that if we do that kind of investing, we are making for ourselves money bags that don't wear out. We have been through economic upheavals. I don't know about you. Last time I, I checked our 401k, it was kind of a sad day. Uh... It's been a while, but, but you know, the last couple of years, uh, the, the money's not going up. It's, it's, it's not been, uh, you know, up, up and up. You, 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 we, and we've been through catastrophic moments where everything everybody thought they had, they lost overnight. And you think you've got all this accumulated in the bank and then some horrible thing happens in the world and just the right circumstances all collude at the right moment and suddenly you've lost it all. Jesus says, the kind of investment I'm talking about is fail-safe. The investment you make in the kingdom of God cannot be taken away. These money bags we're talking about, and we're being metaphorical here, but if you're investing yourself in something, these money bags do not get holes in them that coins can fall out of. He describes it as unfailing treasure in the heavens. Unfailing. What Jesus is saying is if we think of what we have as something to be invested in the things that are important to Christ. Every investment made has a guaranteed return. Now, I'm not talking about money. I'm not saying God's going to give you more money. I'm saying that how God used whatever you invested for his kingdom purposes, whatever was accomplished, is going to last forever. It may be that a, person, a person's life is changed eternally and they pass from death to life everlasting. How much is that worth? Put a dollar sign on that. Unfailing treasure. Not here, not in the banks we have here. In the heavens. You are banking your life in what's going to last forever, not in what is going to be gone before you know it. thief cannot even draw near to this investment. Moth cannot eat it away. Jesus describes the kinds of things that in his day would threaten the worth of things. In the antiquity, cloth was very expensive to make and oftentimes clothing was considered an item of great value. But all it takes is one moth to eat holes all through it. You have a money bag to hold your money and to keep it safe, but that thing can tear and all of a sudden all your coins are strewn all across the street. You can make treasures a lot of different ways. And you may think we're just talking about money here, but I don't think we are. Now, I will say we are talking about money. We need to use the money God puts in our hands to accomplish the things that are important to God. Not the things that are important to us. That is exactly what Jesus is telling us to do with our money. 
And he calls that a, a secure investment. If you are sure this is what God is saying He wants you to do with that money, do it. Trust Him because it is a absolutely an absolutely secure investment. You will not lose. In the grand scheme of eternity, you will always be glad you did that. But I think it's more than just the money. I think it's everything. We have a limited amount of money we can invest. We have a limited amount of time we can invest. We have a limited amount of physical presence we can invest. How many times do we hold back from giving to the kingdom of God the things we know we could give because we're too busy holding it back for ourselves? We're afraid. We're going to lose out somehow. Our family is going to lose out somehow. Let me tell you, parents, the best thing you can do for your kids is do the ministry of the kingdom and involve them in it with you so that they grow up knowing that the work of God is the most important work humans can do on earth. And don't wait till they're old to try to tell them that. You've missed your opportunity. We invest everything we have in the kingdom of God. Because this is the only absolutely secure investment. We are investing in eternity. We are investing ourselves in things that are going to have an eternal reality. Every life we change is another life we're going to enjoy eternity with. And it's going to make our eternity that much better. Let's look at the final verse here, 34. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. There's more to this than just being smart. It isn't just that investing ourselves in the kingdom of God is the wisest thing to do. It is the most secure way to invest ourselves and our resources and everything we have, our time, our talents. If we throw all of that into the kingdom of God, it is the wisest, safest, best return of anything we could do. We could say all of that. But there's more to it than that. Jesus says... Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I've told you this before. In the Bible, the term heart is not used the way we do it in the post-romantic period. We think of heart as butterflies in your stomach and infatuation and all these things. But in antiquity, heart was more, uh, when you say like, that man has a lot of heart. Uh, it has to do with the core of who you are, your will, the center of your being. It's not emotion, it's volition. Jesus says, where you put your treasure, that's where you're going to put your heart. That's where the core of who you are is going to be tied up. Now, do I want the core of who I am to be tied up in God's kingdom or somewhere else? And that's the danger. It isn't just that this is the smarter choice. It's that the alternative is catastrophically bad. 
It turns us into idolaters and makes us put our faith and our trust and our, our, our peace of mind not in God who gave us life but in some other thing. My bank account, my career, my job, my this, my that. If I let my heart be tied up in that, if that's where I have invested all of myself, I'm an idolater. I have given something other than God, the devotion only God deserves from me. And there's, it isn't just about vanity on God's part. It's just the, the ontological reality of the cosmos. There is nothing in existence that is reliable the way God is. So to put your trust in anything other than God is to fail. Is to put your trust in something that is not infallible. And that cannot deliver life eternal. We have to understand this. If we're going to put our trust in Christ, this is what he's calling us to do. To invest everything of ourselves in his kingdom. And here's the thing. I think a lot of times we want to pull back from that. We want God to be the most important among many things in our lives. But we want the kingdom part of our life to be here. And then this other part of our life to be over here. And Jesus is calling us to live an integral life. Where kingdom living is all we're doing. Where everything about our life is the kingdom of God. And that's the only interest of our hearts and that's the only pursuit of our lives and that is the only investment of every resource we bring to the table is the kingdom of God. We can do this fearlessly because God is absolutely reliable. If we fail to, though, we have allowed our heart to become captive to somebody other than God. Jesus invites us to follow him, our king, the promised Messiah, the one who has ushered into our world the eternal kingdom of God. This kingdom that uh, has not been fully unveiled yet, but will be unveiled fully at his return in full glory and splendor. A day in which creation itself will be remade. And we who have believed will also be remade. Though the glory to come hasn't fully arrived yet, we can begin already to live our lives as an investment in what is coming. Jesus calls us to use our material possessions and our lives, our very lives, to serve the needs of others, to advance his kingdom. And he promises to provide for our needs. He assures us we do not need to fear. All God has, he has given to us already in Christ. We have to abandon the idolatry of worshiping and trusting in our material possessions and set our hearts fully on God alone. As we begin a new year, I want to challenge you to dive headlong into this kingdom God is building among us. 
and make that the sole focus of your heart and life. And let's see what happens this year if we're all doing that together and we're all listening to God and seeking His kingdom first. We're going to sing a song of invitation. This is our time in which we can respond to what we have heard from God's word. Let me ask you to stand and in a moment we'll sing a song. While we're singing, it's your chance to come forward. If God has laid some commitment on your heart, you need to make with him, whether it's the initial commitment of, I don't know you, Jesus, but I want to know you, and I want you to be my Savior and Lord, then uh, come and let that be your commitment. Maybe you already know Christ as Lord, and you've been reminded today about how he wants you to be living your life and changes you might need to be making in your life. Whatever he has laid on your heart, please come and share the be people here at the front if y'all will come forward now there are people here at the front uh, that you can just share what God's put on your heart and they just want to pray with you and encourage you please come while we sing